10, ladies and gentlemen. That is right. We are back. We are the Fantasy Menace Superflex Podcast. I am your host, Jake Sullivan. I am joined with Brendan Albrizio. Brendan, welcome back. Jake, what's going on? Not much, man. We are here. We have another preview episode. I'm loving these. What? Are, how are you feeling about these right now? I think, I think we got something good going here. I feel like we're getting into a groove with these. I'm really enjoying them. I think the feedback's been strong, so I'm pretty pumped about this week. As you should be, as everybody should be. We have a bunch of good games. We have a bunch of good storylines unfolding. Once again, our intention here is to have an episode where we try to capture the best storylines from a dynasty superflex standpoint of what to look for going into this weekend. Go, starting with Thursday now, Brandon, we are officially covering a Thursday game. Congratulations to us. Claps all around. Thank we you. Thank you, everyone. We're doing it. We're here recording on a Tuesday, not recording on a Thursday, and we're going to get this out in time to listen. We sure are, and it is going to be hilarious if we don't. If this gets released on a Friday, <laughs> then then damn us. But you're absolutely right, Brandon. We have something special for the potty and here. We're really trying to bring the whole aspect of, hey, guys, you're in this. You're listening to us because you're a Dynasty fan, right? Not only are you a Dynasty fan, but you're also a Superflex fan. So we're trying to capture that on every single matchup this week. We're going to bring a little bit of a point spread. We're going to bring a little bit of a Vegas point total as well, just to capture what you could expect out of this game. But what we're bringing to the table here, Brandon, is what players should you look out for? What storylines should you be paying attention to? Who's ascending? Who's descending? Who are you concerned about? Who are you psyched about? That's what we're bringing to the table, right, Brendan? I think that definitely, absolutely, 100%, Jake. The odds, the spread, the total, the money line, these things are all great. But we're also going to make sure that we highlight who you should be looking at in a dynasty league. If we're not talking about the older players, those vets who are probably starting in a win-now team, that's okay. So we're going to try to really focus on the dynasty players, the younger guys, the guys in their first three years. Who are they? What are you looking at? Now, we definitely touch on the older vets, but we're not going to focus on them. No, absolutely not. If you want that, go to one of those Bush League redraft podcasts or shows. That's not what we do here. And just to remind everybody, Go ahead, go listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. We're even on YouTube right now. Someday we'll start bringing some videos so you can see our ugly mugs up here talking as well, all the animation, all that behind it. But like, subscribe, please. Now, Brendan, let's jump into it because we've got a bunch of games this week. First and foremost, we do have a few buys. I think we got four buys, but they are significant teams. We have the Kansas City Chiefs on buy. We have the LA Rams on buy. We have the Miami Dolphins on buy. And we have the Philadelphia Eagles on by all significant dynasty relevant teams right now. Right. So uh, it's it's not quite the by apocalypse lips, lips, but it is one that is relevant. You certainly almost definitely have a star that is on by this week. Right. Is that fair to say? What do you think, Brendan? I don't you, know how, how I'm going to replace Clyde Edwards Hilaire in my lineup. Where am I going to find his production? Oh. I have no idea. His I'm healthy scratch production? I'm in three leagues, and I am hurting in all three of them. 
look, not it is. Hey, it has been a weird season, right? I mean, some of the stars, AJ Brown, congratulations. He's been unbelievable. Some of the stars are being stars, but it is a weird year, right? Does so far we're we're here in week ten. It's certainly hasn't been very predictable. It's been a disaster. I've been betting the over on many games for these first 10 weeks, or I guess nine weeks technically, and it's been an abject failure, Jay. Offense is down. Scoring is down. Last night, the Chargers played not even a good game. I'm not even going to give them good. That was a mediocre at best game for them, and it went under, and I bet the under, and I wanted to die. I threw up in my mouth doing it, but it it hit. The under hit yet again. It's just that kind of year. That's that is the worst thing. I mean, I don't know how you do that. Rooting for the under, like what a what a boring thing to root for. But anyways, we're not a betting show. We're bringing you the point spread. We're bringing you that element just to let you know how Vegas is viewing this game is going to go because there are some insights behind that, right, Brandon? If it's expected to be a low scoring game, then you're probably going to see low scoring output especially from the wide receivers not as many touchdowns right i think that's that's how the math adds up is that correct the lines are a great proxy for what vegas thinks about each offense and the total is a great proxy generally speaking for what they think about scoring so i think it's really valuable to have both of those and look through the lens of who is favored to win but also what is that point total so we can see what vegas thinks about the power that each team is bringing to the table on offense. Right. If your running back is expected, his team is expected to blow out their opponent, then you're going to see a lot of production out of that running back. I think that's a fair assumption to make, right? Vice versa. If you have a running back that's on a team that is expected to get blown out, then they're probably going to be throwing a lot. They're probably going to abandon the run later on in the game. If Vegas is correct, which we have all learned, Vegas, more often than not, is correct. There is a reason why they make money, but it, there is some predictive measures in here that we need to pay attention to. Brennan, let's get into the games, though, because we have a bunch to cover, right? Including our first ever preview of a Thursday night football game. So we are excited about this. And that game is none other than the extremely exciting Carolina Panthers visiting the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are somehow a three and a half point favorites. They are predicted at a 40 point total in the game which is not a very high scoring game but it's not too too low you want to see higher than that from an excitement standpoint couple that with the thursday football you know stigma brennan before we get into this do you feel it's the same way that it was two years ago of you know nobody even wants to watch any thursday night football games because teams aren't prepared it's always this bad product that they put out or has it changed a little bit you you certainly have some games like that but you have the same on sunday nights these days too yeah, I honestly, I feel like I've been tuning in more to Thursday Night Football this year. The matchups have been a little bit better, maybe, but I have been tuning in more, and I, I don't know what to what to point to for that one. In years past, it's been hit or miss, but now I've watched every single Thursday game. I feel like every week there's been something to watch. Last week was Will Levis, and before that, was that the Taylor Swift game? And then maybe that was two weeks ago. But there's always something to see. Jay. One of Yeah. You're absolutely right. So, Brandon, I kind of want to run through a couple talking points in this game real quick, and then I want to ask you about one topic in particular. But it does seem like there's a possibility we see Justin Fields return for the Bears. It it That's, seems certain that we... 
possibility miss, though. possibility possibility right yeah he he his first practice his first full practice was last friday so you hope that he comes back if not they could take this thursday off and then all of a sudden you see him next sunday I'm, uh, you can certainly expect that it has massive implications we've learned very quickly because dj moore is suffering without him no doubt about it roshan johnson are we going to see him step up Maybe not because we have Khalil Herbert coming off of IR as well. He also may be playing this Thursday. We'll see. Those are two storylines to watch from the Bears' standpoint. That's not who I want to talk about tonight, Brendan. What I want to talk about right now is Bryce Young. I want to know where you are with Bryce Young. Before last week's game, you and I talked about whether or not beating C.J. Stroud was going to be a little bit of a turning point. And you said that you didn't think so. You would like to see more points in that game. Just to remind everyone, he had 14 and a half points. They pulled out a win, 22 for 31 to 135 yards and a touchdown. He did outduel CJ Stroud. You didn't feel like there was enough there. I thought it may have been a turning point, and boy, was I wrong. Because last week, it was like a, Bryce it, was Young, like a it was like a spitball duel. Like it was a terrible duel. When you say outdoor, like not, I don't know if it was spitball, but it wasn't. You're right. Nobody threw for over 250 yards, but he did outduel CJ Stroud two weeks ago. You got to okay, give sure. him that. Sure, sure. Anyways, how how did he recover though? I mean, yeah, he did. Do we need do we he need went, to re rank him? Where are we with him? He went like five steps backwards, and I I do think now at this point it is time to really think about. Bryce Young and where we have him ranked. He's th- he has started seven games at this point. He was out week three for the injury, and then he had a bye week in week seven. I don't even know where I would put him right now because of the quarterback injuries, but he's going down, and I just have to figure out which injured quarterback I want to put above him. Right now, Jade Carolina has got the 26th ranked passing offense. He has the fifth, Bryce Young has the fifth worst passer rating in the league. He is dead last in aggressiveness. Aggressiveness is the next gen NFL next gen stat that tracks the percent of passing attempts the quarterback has made into what they call tight coverage. Tight coverage is where there's a defender within one yard or less of a receiver. We keep hearing about the lack of receiving talent, and I agree. But he's not even throwing into those windows. So it's not even a situation where Bryce Young is throwing into a bunch of tight windows. He's just not making those throws. 9.1% of his throws are in a tight window. And he's second to last, Jake, in intended air yards. That one you may be able to blame on the receivers. But it has looked really bad for Bryce Young. Three weeks ago, the ringer put out a video from Ben Solak talking about how... Sorry. Yeah. Hold on. What does that mean, intended air yards? What does that mean? Oh, intended air yards. That's the, what is the other one? It's uh, like basically the, the amount the ball traveled the whole yeah, game. That, right. In the air on, on completions okay. and incompletions where the receiver was when the ball was thrown to him. That's intended so, air yards. So he's, he's a little scaredy cat is what I'm hearing. He's a scaredy cat. Yes. Yes. Scary and, cat price. Okay. And if you remember on this podcast, we talked about the Ben Solak breakdown of him being off time, off target. Both of those go together. 
Part of that was because of his height. It seems like he does this slide step. So a three-step, a five-step drop becomes a four-step, becomes a six-step drop. He's off-timed, so he can get a little bit more vision over the line of scrimmage. That is part of it. But I just think generally he's missing throws that don't even have anything to do with his height. Last week, he threw a pick six. His second pick six was a screen pass to Miles Sanders. He overthrew Miles Sanders by, I don't know, 10 feet and ended up going the other way on him. He just doesn't look good, Jake. No. No, he doesn't. I mean, if you've listened to us, you know where we stand on that. It's This isn't much of a surprise to us. There are plenty of other examples in here that are surprises to us, so we're not acting cocky here. But this one isn't much of a surprise. What is a little bit of a surprise to me, Brendan, is the Jonathan Mingo factor here. Are you ready to declare Jonathan Mingo, the rookie wide receiver for Carolina, a bust? Or do you need to give him another season? Where do you stand with that? He's got nothing. We have to give, I do think we have to give Mingo a little bit more time. The offense is a disaster. Bryce Young hasn't developed the way that everybody thought. And Mingo is getting... Definitely, he's on the wrong side of all of that. So I think we got to give Mingo a little bit more time. Bryce, I, I don't know how much more time we're going to give Bryce, but Mingo does, in my book, get some time. He's 6'2", 220. Talk about the size that he has. He's got all of the measurables that we want to see. So I, I think we have to give him a bit more. Yeah, I agree. But he has had plenty of opportunity. He stepped into a situation where, granted, we didn't realize how much of a stud Adam Thielen was going to be this year. And there you go, Podians. We are talking about an old uh, player right now. But we didn't realize how dominant Adam Thielen would be this year for this offense. We thought that Jonathan Mingo would step in and have an immediate opportunity to produce. He hasn't really done that. He has had a 9.8-point game and a 10.2-point game. Other than that, it has been very underwhelming, and the last game was 1.5 points. So certainly not trending in the right direction. I thought he had an opportunity to kind of have that age. I mean, he went to Ole Miss, so I'm, I was tying him to A.J. Brown in my mind. He has a similar build. He has a similar style of play. He certainly hasn't developed into that yet. I'm with you, Brendan. Give him, let's, let's give him an offseason. Let's see how that goes. This whole offense seems to be struggling, but uh, certainly disappointing if you have Jonathan Mingo at this very date right now. Let's move on to the next game, though, Brendan. Let's go over to the 9.30 a.m. Indianapolis Colts at New England Patriots in Deutschland. We're going back to Germany one more time. I think this is the final of five games being played over in Europe. We had three in London. We now have two in Frankfurt. Is this one also going to be in Frankfurt? I think so. We had the one this past weekend. We had the one this past weekend. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Miami Dolphins. We labeled that as a potential preview for a uh, AFC championship game. Th- that game certainly looked like a blowout at halftime, and then the Dolphins came back. So that was that was a fun one to watch, right? Yeah, it was a weird game because I thought I thought Kansas City was going to run away with it, and then the Dolphins clawed their way back. And the Dolphins were the one that had been there, I believe, since Tuesday before of the week before. And I think the Chiefs flew in late. Typically, when we see that, we're worried about the Chiefs. Oh, are they adjusted to they the time difference? 
which isn't it is i guess on sunday would it have been six hours I think it's a six hours six hour difference yeah. i think yeah i think so yeah but i mean then all of a sudden the kansas city offense completely stalled that entire second half and they almost blew that game anyways we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about the other game in deutschland but uh Kind of the the storyline I think I I want us to focus on here for this game. First of all, we have the Colts as a favorite, a a one and a half point favorite, a forty three and a half point game. So that just goes to show people don't have a whole lot of faith in the defenses because these offenses both kind of stink. You have Gardner Minshew, I guess. So we'll see where that goes. Zach Moss, he's done. Right, we're, we're, until Jonathan Taylor gets hurt, it's Jonathan Taylor's backfield. We've been telling the audience this the whole time. Josh Downs, we were really excited about him. He left the game in Carolina last week. He got hurt. You hope he comes back quickly. Who I want to talk about, Brendan, is Ramondre Stevenson on the other side of the ball here. Ramondre Stevenson, what is he right now as a running back? What 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 is he on the season? Do you know? He's RB seventeen. RB seventeen. So a lot of people's like kind of darling coming into the season certainly hasn't lived up to the expectation. The Patriots. Certainly, have lived up to their expectations, but it's uh, it's it's much worse than what we could have imagined. However, is he somebody that you want to go get? And and I don't want to spoil anything here, but we do have a trade targets episode coming up next week. And one thing I want to talk about is the performance up till now versus what you can expect from him going forward this this season. Where are you with this right now, Brennan? Very, I'm very conflicted, and I know I'm conflicted because this is our Patriots, and they've just looked so bad on so many levels. But I actually think that they're through the toughest part of their schedule so far, and Ramondre Stevenson has a bunch of very nice matchups coming up. He's going against the Giants after Indianapolis, the Chargers, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Denver, Buffalo, and the Jets. The only team who has a decent rushing defense there is Kansas City. That's it. Everybody else is below average. So he's got the opportunity against some pretty tasty defenses. Chargers too, though. Chargers are actually the best one. So if if you look at the remaining schedule... Uh, of opposition rushing yards per game, right? If we go down the list there, the Colts are 24th in meaning they allow a lot of rushing yards, right? 32nd is they allow the most, first is they uh, they allow the least. Colts are 24th, Giants are 25th, the Chargers are tied for sixth, Pittsburgh 29th, Kansas City 16th, Denver 32nd, Buffalo 18th, New York Jets 30th. It's a very favorable rest of schedule from a rushing yard standpoint. That that's oh, at least one thing I want to call attention. Oh, yeah, I did not see the Chargers at six. Uh huh. Interesting. Even so, as you're saying, it is a good schedule. The problem I have though is that this offense is broken. There is nothing going on here. We put up 17 points, and it's like a celebration here in New England. So while Stevenson has a nice rest of year schedule. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do anything and get anything going with this offense the way it looks. I think if you're frustrated by him, hold on. 
to me, what we're looking at here from a remaining schedule. Now, granted, Zeke actually looks pretty good. So uh, it, that is a little tough to watch if you're the Ramondre owner. However, I think they're going to start really leaning on that run game. Bill Belichick tends to do that as the season goes on. As the cold weather starts coming, he likes to ground and pound. That's what he likes to do. So I like Ramondre Stevenson right now. I think he's certainly underwhelmed but he will start to pick up speed as long as he stays healthy. That's somebody I'd like to see. Brendan, anybody else in this matchup that you want to talk about? The only other person that I think may be worth chatting about is Michael Pittman. Josh Downs is injured. Is he going to be out there? Pittman has looked really strong. Does he get even more targets his way without Josh Downs out there? I do think that it's worth it. He's already going to be in your starting lineup, but be on the lookout for Pittman if Josh's downs is out again. I'm with you on that. And he has had a, a quiet but productive season. If you've had Pittman, you're happy with him. Again, as we said last episode, coming, he's on the final year of his rookie contract. So big one for him. Let's see what happens there. Brendan, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe like maybe an underrated game here, right? First of all, two very strong defenses, certainly. We have Deshaun Watson coming back. Is he going to be well, – he, he did come back this past weekend. Is he going to continue to get better? That's – I'm not sure, right? He has not proven that yet. However, we have the Ravens as a six-point favorite. It's a 38-and-a-half point, point total. So they are thinking this is going to be a defensive battle. Brennan – I can't answer this because I'm too biased about this. But the first player I want to ask about is a Flowers. Are we panicking about him? I'm certainly worried. You know he's my guy. I'm not. He's my guy. He is your guy. He's been your guy for a long time. I'm worried. I'm not panicking, but I am worried. The last three games, he's averaged under seven points. He's got back-to-back really bad weeks. 6.9 points in week eight, 2.9 last week he had one target last week and six targets in week seven before that he had seven targets or after that he had seven targets in week eight i'm just getting and feeling like he's in a slump that offense is in a slump and they've got to get the pass game figured out because they don't have anybody going off right now and i really thought that we were going to see a nice steady progression from Zay Flowers, and we just haven't. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like the Todd Munkin system was really working for them, and then it's come to a screeching call. The only person that's producing for them from a passing standpoint is Mark Andrews, and we knew that was going to happen. Odell Beckham, it seemed like they were trying to force him the ball this past weekend, and he had some good plays, but also, come on, get it into Zay Flowers' hands. We know that he's a producer. Just get it into his hands. It also seemed like... Lamar Jackson may have been injured and he played through it. We have another quarterback we'll talk about a little bit later that also looked like he got hurt in the game, but played through the injury. We'll, we'll monitor that, but he was limping. He, he was hurting. He toughed it out. We'll see if that had any impact on it or not. What also hurt Zay Flowers here and what has hurt him in the last couple of weeks is how they are starting to lean on the run game again. And even with JK Dobbins with yet another major injury and he's on IR, Gus Edwards, and then recently, as of last weekend, Keontae Mitchell had quite a production for you. So I don't 
I don't think most of us had Keontae Mitchell on your team because I think prior to last weekend, he had one passing target and a total of 3% snap share in a single game this year. However, this past week, he put up 20.4 points. And Brendan, it seemed kind of legit. Where are you there? He's a major waiver wire ad right now. So you won't hear this before the waiver's clear. However, he's a hot topic right now. Where are you there? Is that somebody you're trying to get? Yeah, it's Keaton Mitchell and then in Keontae Ingram, but I feel like they're almost the same Ooh, guy, honestly. Yeah, I feel I mean, like I'm just gonna keep doing that. It was Clayton Toon, by the way, not Clayton Tooney. So I'm just gonna keep doing that for the show. Don't worry about that. I don't know about Keaton Mitchell. He's five nine, one ninety one at the running back position. I'm sorry, he's five eight, one ninety one at the running back position. The size is I, concerning. The explosiveness is good, but the size is concerning. Yeah, he had a great game, and he had a very explosive game, 138 yards, I believe it was, on nine attempts and a touchdown, so he got you over 20 points. He feels to me like a Jaleel McLaughlin. He's going to get these explosive weeks just because of his speed, but you never know when it's going to come. And yeah, Gus Edwards is not a barn burner. He's not a guy that we have in our true rank, but he's reliable. And he's going to chug along for four, four and a half yards a carry. So he's got Gus Edwards in front of him. He's small, and you just never really know. From a waiver wire standpoint, he's probably a nice guy to throw some fab at. I just don't know that he's going to be anything next year or longer term as a dynasty asset. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that the his weight of 191 pounds is actually being called into question, I think. I've heard in other places he looks a little more like 180 and maybe even weighed 180 one point, but that might be more uh, speculation than anything. But certainly somebody you want to add because they didn't really, they weren't aggressive about getting another running back before the trade deadline. And I don't think they're like super psyched on Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is stealing a lot of the red zone opportunities. So it's a nice one to have. Brennan, anybody else want to cover here before we move on? Let's see. Are we going to talk at all about. David Njoku. Mr. Njoku's looked pretty good. I think it's tight end it. 17 on the season. Tight end 14. Rostered by yours truly as wherever he can, which is really only one league, unfortunately. Three games and doubled to just two straight games with a score and averaging over seven targets, Jake. I like the it. Fireman. I like it. The fireman <laughs> himself. Yeah, the fireman. David Njoku. Yeah, I mean... Look, I liked him coming in. It felt like he never had a quarterback that that utilized him, and it felt like that offensive scheme never utilized him. He is starting to look great. He did last year. He had a, bu- a bunch of good games. This year, he's had a bunch of good games. So, yeah, that's a good call-up, Brendan, because I think Njoku is quietly, again, serving you as a great asset on your team that, that you don't have to worry too much. You didn't have to go and spend a whole bunch to get a tight end. That You're actually pretty confident that – Week in and week out is going to get the opportunity. Whether or not he capitalizes on that is a different thing. So, yeah, that's a good one, Brendan. Let's move on, though, shall we? Yeah, we got nobody else. This is going to be a defensive matchup. <laughs> I'm definitely betting the under. It sure is. Uh, what should be a blowout, the next game is the Houston Texans visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. It is a 46-and-a-half-point game. It's nice to see something like that. So it seems like there might be some pretty significant fantasy production here brennan 
Are you confident that it's going to be a blow up based on what we just saw from CJ Stroud this past weekend? CJ Stroud has looked amazing or has looked amazing at different parts this year. Was amazing last week. I'm worried though because the Bengals really do feel like they've got it coming together. And Joe Burrow is awesome. He picked apart the Buffalo defense like it was nothing. CJ Stroud. He really is. CJ Stroud, in my opinion, is the truth, but he's also still a rookie quarterback. He is not going to get you 41.8 points per week. He's not going to be throwing 42 times on the Bengals defense. It just is not going to happen. They're going to get after him. That is a good defense. That pass D he's going up against is ninth best in the league. This does have the potential to be a blowout if Joey B starts really fast like he did against Buffalo and they can snowball and they can force Stroud into obvious passing situations. We already talked about the running game or lack thereof. CJ Stroud's got nothing if the pass isn't working. And Devin Singletary, he ain't the truth. And Damian Pierce didn't even play last week. And if he does play, that ankle still seems to be bothering him. So... Very concerned that it could be a down week for CJ Stroud and a little bit of a blowout. Yeah, and like you said, jumping from Tampa Bay's defense, who is a far cry from what they were a couple years ago from a defensive standpoint. They're currently the 31st in the league in passing yards allowed and 27th in the league in passing touchdowns allowed. So that certainly seemed to help out CJ Stroud. I'm also sure that CJ Stroud's performance this past week helped those stats. But uh, jumping from that to the ninth defense, like you said, in the Bengals is going to be quite a challenge. But if you have C.J. Stroud, you're psyched. If you have Damian Pierce, you're bummed. There's no doubt about that. Dalton Schultz, another guy that's kind of going on the radar. And Brendan, I feel like we're becoming more of a tight end show here because there's a few guys we're going to talk about here. We like some of these tight ends, but they're hard to find, right? If you don't have one of the top three, four, five guys, it's hard to find somebody that you get excited about. That's partially because of how long it takes a tight end to develop into somebody that you can rely on. But there are some guys developing here, and Dalton Schultz is certainly one of them. He's 27 years old. He's our true-ranked tight end 17, but he's tight end 10 on the season. Are we too low on him or what? I, I think so. And it is becoming a tight end season led by Travis Kelsey for obvious reasons. In the last in four of the last five games, Jake Dalton Schultz out. is scoring above – 13 points He's averaging over seven targets during this run i love those numbers will it continue this week who knows but i do love those numbers what i like about it even more is dalton schultz and cj stroud just seem to be on the same page they talk about each other a lot in press conferences cj stroud talked to dalton schultz about changing his route four weeks ago on a touchdown that he threw. So it just feels like they've got good chemistry. Dalton Schultz is only 27 for a tight end. And we like that age because of the time we it takes do. to develop. We do. And I do think he's on a bit of a run here. So I like it. We are probably a little low on him, but others are as well at tight end 17. I don't know if he's going to be tight end 10, but he's damn close there. He sure is. Brandon, let's move on though. Oh, actually, I do want to just call one other thing out here. It's unbelievable how much C.J. Stroud has made the Houston Texans relevant for us Dynasty viewers. Like now, this is a really fun team to watch. We want to see Tank Dell. We want to see Nico Collins. This, on paper, 
at the beginning of the season looked like a horrible game to watch the Bengals versus the Texans, but that's not the case. This is going to be a fun game to watch. So I do encourage the viewers, if you get a chance, watch this game, because I think CJ Stroud, if you haven't had a chance to really focus on him, he's going to surprise you. He's had some, he had some extremely impressive throws this past weekend. Obviously one of the most exciting comebacks that you've seen or, or finishes to a game that we've seen all season so far. And, and it just seems like this should be a really fun game to watch, an electric one, certainly. So just want to call that out. Let me throw one more stat at the audience here, Jake. The Texans have the fourth-ranked passing offense by EPA per dropback. This is wild. Do you remember coming into the season, we were looking at the wide receiver core, and there might be a recording somewhere that I've stashed in the corner. But we were talking about this wide receiver core, wondering how C.J. Stroud was going to possibly develop. When he told he told the front office to go get Tank Dell, who is named Tank Dell as a joke because he is <laughs> 140 pounds and he looks 140 pounds. And it, you're 100 percent correct. Nico Collins has developed really nicely after a lot of uncertainty in his first couple of years. Tank Dell has come out of nowhere. Dalton Schultz looks awesome. This passing offense is running on fire jake and it really is a very very fun team to watch yeah it has to be one of the more unexpected and also like i keep saying from a dynasty perspective and specifically superflex dynasty perspective it is a very exciting team to watch right now there is a lot of up and coming talent that you guys should be keeping your eyes on brendan let's move on let's go over to the san francisco 49ers coming off of their bye at the jacksonville jaguars also coming off of their bye the Niners are a three-point favorite. It is a 45-point game prediction here. Where do we start, and why do I feel like you're going to go right after my guy? I don't want to go after him, though. I you're really gone. don't. If you make I'm another Matt start. Ryan comment, I swear to God, I'm, I'm I won't. canceling. But I, but I do want to start with a simple question. Can we get 20 points from the prince that was promised Trevor Lawrence, because I feel like he, Jake, I feel like he's three games away from losing that mantle and handing it right over to CJ Stroud. Okay. 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 The 49ers defense has been good. Yes, it has been good. They've got real good. problems. It's It's been good. They've got real problems as they did last year. They just haven't been covering it up as much. They've got real problems in that rushing defense, Jake. That rushing defense is 26th in the league by EPA per rush allowed. Their pass defense is 6th, but their rushing defense is going to be a real problem. And breaking news, the Jacksonville Jaguars have a pretty good running back. That means that Trevor Lawrence should have some windows open. He should be able to find someone if they can get ATN going early. Will he do it? I don't know. Oh. It's so confounding to me because he's looked good. He's running That's an a well-oiled machine, and he just can't give me 20 points. Can't no, I mean, so I, that's funny how you, like, I don't, you spun that. Like, oh, it's a really good pass defense. It's a very weak run defense. Therefore, weak the passing, you're expecting the passing game to be good because of how they opened it up through the running. Well, I'm I expecting it because Trevor Lawrence is sharp on film when you watch him. That guy is hitting every receiver. He's running every play really well, and he's running sharper very than Matt Ryan. Offense. Well, Matt Ryan, 
Matt Ryan was sharp. It's not like he was a bad quarterback. Mm. I stand by Matt Ryan. I'm not going to call Matt Ryan this week. I stand by that comparison, though. Okay. I mean, look, I you're right, and you've been right. Like I certainly expected to see more 20-point games from Trevor Lawrence so far this season. I'm not sure if this is the game where he does it. And if he does, I'm extremely excited because it is a very strong defense. And don't forget they just brought over uh, what's his name from the commanders? What's the what's the pass rusher that they just chase, chase young young unbelievable for, for I mean, these guys just keep doing this. It's unreal. So it's going to be a nightmare factory over there it, with the with that San Francisco defense. I am hoping for an 18 point game. If he gets 24 points, I think that's incredible. I think he rises to the occasion. If he doesn't, I don't want to hear your Matt Ryan stuff next week. OK, this isn't the game to like to use as a measuring stick. I think this is a very challenging matchup. Brennan, the other player we do want to talk about, you already referenced him, Travis Etienne. Boy, oh boy, was I at least wrong about him going into this season. He is the running back three right now so far. Eight touchdowns already. He's averaging over four targets per game. We were worried about Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby, I think, had 8% snap share last week, so there's no fear there. This guy is one of your it, it's got to be one of your dynasty MVPs so far in the season, right? Yeah, the guy is scored in every well, he hasn't scored in every game, but he's got eight touchdowns across eight games. Travis ATN looks amazing. RB3 on the year. And in the past game is really where I think ATN's been shining. He's explosive, but in the past game, he just seems to have taken it up a notch this year. He's got film that looks awesome with his with what he's doing out there i mean i'm i'm i am worried about one thing though jake in that i've been very excited if you've got atn you've got to be very excited you've seen a lot happening in the past game you've seen the scoring happening on the ground and in the air this year atn's averaging over four targets per game with h touchdowns and his rb3 the question you have to ask yourself though is can he keep this pace up at the end of the year is travis Etienne going to have 16 or 17 touchdowns and is he going to continue getting four targets per game because that's really what's been driving this he hasn't been particularly explosive on the ground he's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry and in the, but in the last four games he hasn't scored below 22 points so he's a he's not touchdown dependent but he's almost there and i think that there has to be some regression because I don't think ATN is going to end up at 17 touchdowns at the end of the season. Well, look, what, what scares me here as the big time T-Law truther is that I think Travis ETN's touchdown production is coming from a systemic approach of how they kind of march up the field. They don't take a whole lot of deep stabs and certainly not deep stabs into the end zone. And then when they get into that red zone, they give ETN the opportunity. He keeps getting red zone opportunities. And it takes away, obviously, from T-Law's ability to score. So I think they're going to keep giving him that. I He's obviously proven that he can do it. It seems like a very good thing. The team is certainly doing that. I think they should be kind of considered as a Super Bowl contender. They they certainly should be a dark horse with how they've, they've structured it all. But they're systemic in how they score. And they take time off the clock with what they do. It's not quite dink and dunk by any means. But ETN is producing with with how this system is working. And it's very frustrating as the Travis, the, the Trevor Lawrence owner, 
but he is, I think there is some consistency behind that, Brendan. Yeah, he he's complimenting the entire offense really well, what ETN's got going on. And Doug Peterson is asking Trevor Lawrence to run extended plays, find the 10, find the 12-yard plays, hand it off to ETN. And that is contributing to his production, but is taking away from T-Laws. And my question is, what are we going to see the second half of the year, though? Can they keep this up as they as we get into November and December and January? ETN, he... We will see. Again, I'm skeptical that we're going to get a touchdown a game pace out of him. Yeah, I'm leaning towards it is systemic, but we'll see. You're right. We'll we'll check up on that next. Brendan, the only other player I want to talk about here, it kind of tie it's it's the wide receivers, I guess, of San Francisco, right? Because Brock Purdy seemingly kind of came back down to earth recently. He he got injured. He came back. He's fine. When Debo got injured. He, he hasn't been as productive, right? So that we had that 14-point game. We had that eight-point game. Last week, he bounced back. He was 20.3. That was good to see. However, you didn't see a whole lot from the wide receiver core. You had Ayuk, who we thought we were going to see a major boom as soon as Debo went down. We've kind of seen the opposite. They The defense has known who to hone in on. Seems like George Kittle is the guy that, that is benefiting from that. What I want to ask you is, are you panicking about Purdy? Are you panicking about Ayuk? Or are you panicking about Debo? Or all of the above? I feel like Purdy was getting so much hype before the bye, or I guess before the two games before the bye, that seeing him struggle is good because it's a reminder that Brock Purdy is probably going to be QB2 territory slash super flex. He is not MVP caliber. He's not QB1, but he's going to be solid. So I do think it's good that he struggled. I think it's a good reset. It's a nice reminder to everyone, this is Brock Purdy. He is not the next coming of Tom Brady, much to the 49ers fans' chagrin. I'm with you. I'm not really panicking with Ayuk either. However, it is disappointing. I, I thought you were going to see much better production from with Debo out. You'd see much more targets. You'd see much more production. Debo is seemingly coming back. Brennan, let's move on, and let's pick up the pace a little bit here. Let's have some quick-hitting rounds coming up. We have, next up, the New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings. Saints are favored 2.5 points, 41.5 point total. Brendan, I think obviously the one we want to talk about here is Josh Dobbs, and I'm going to come back to you on that in one second. A couple things I want to call out real quick. JJ, Justin Jefferson, has had his 21-day practice window open, so hopefully he comes back soon. I think that trade to go get uh, Josh Dobbs has worked out fantastic, that they're not going to give up and punt on this season. They're going to bring him back, so that's great. If you're a JJ owner, you've been waiting, 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 praying, 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 and here we are. Cam Akers. Cam Akers has now torn really his sad. Achilles. He's now torn his Achilles in his left foot and his right foot. And that is brutal. He came back. He didn't come all the way back, certainly, but he came back and, and, and against the odds when he first tore it. And then he tore it again this past week. That is brutal. However, from a storyline standpoint, let's see what Alexander Madison does because I think they have Ty Chandler behind Alexander Madison. And that's about it from a running back standpoint. So, um, with the bad news comes some hope for another player, which is Alexander Madison. 
If you've had him on your roster, you've been waiting for this year. He did nothing at the beginning of the season. He started to do something. Cam Akers started to step in all of a sudden, and now he's he's done for this season, and it could have a major impact on the career. But keep your eye on Alexander Madison. TJ Hawkinson, flying under the radar, but TE2, he is a superstar, it seems, so you can count on him, right? Have you ever seen have a him? tight end? be tight end two and get less hype than TJ Hawkinson. The guy has one game below eight targets and one game below 10 points. He's just racking up points every week. It feels like he's the most reliable tight end out there. And I'm not hearing people really talk about DJ Hawkinson. He is my, he's the true rank tight end two. And I believe he is my tight end two as well. That is fantastic. He is Going up, they gave him that big contract. He's living up to it. But Brendan, who I want to talk about for this game, is Josh Dobbs. What a storyline we had there. Brendan, what did you see from him? We, we know he stepped in with an unexpected injury. I believe Cam Akers, by the way, was the backup quarterback to Josh Dobbs because Cam Akers was a quarterback in high school. He did a lot of wildcat, and then he tore his Achilles. So if Josh Dobbs got injured, we were in big trouble there if we're, if we're over here in Minnesota. But what did you see there, Brendan? My favorite scene from last weekend was somebody on the sidelines was videotaping Josh Dobbs taking snaps under center. And he was doing it on the sidelines because he had just been told you're going and Jaron Hall is injured. And he had never taken a snap under center from that line. Josh Dobbs doesn't know anybody's name on that offense. Guy shows up is the second quarterback but doesn't expect to play, is trying to learn the playbook on the fly. Kevin O'Connell is describing the types of routes he can expect in the play call as Josh Dobbs is saying the play, and he gets the win. By the way, this isn't the only time that Josh Dobbs has looked pretty damn good. I couldn't believe this, and I had to check myself, but Jake, Josh Dobbs is QB 10 on this season and did he have less than one point on week one i think he did he started the point nine eight with point nine eight points and the guy is still qb 10 i can't believe By the way, he, he also he in. also has a 10 point and 11 point game too so it's like he's had a couple of the weeks where he hasn't been great and he's still that high ranked it's awesome to see he was kicking around on the end of a bunch of rosters he's been on five teams in the past 12 months and the guy is just producing i love what i'm seeing the personal story from josh dobbs is awesome but on the field it's the arm and the legs he had some really nice runs last week but he's kind of had nice runs in every game he's played in i feel like with josh dobbs the same way that minnesota went out and got him I think if you're in win now and you need a quarterback, I feel like you might want to target Josh Dobbs. You're not going to give up a first. I don't know if you have to give up a second or some combination of maybe later year second rounds, but he's got to be on your radar. Would you give him up for anything more than a second or anything less than a second? I should say. I don't know. If I have Josh Dobbs, he is producing this. In a season like this season where there's so many quarterback injuries, I mean, I don't know. They're becoming scarce. It's a good thing to have, I think. So That could be the floor for giving him up, but would you send a second for Josh Dobbs is the question. 
Yeah, if I'm a contender that needs a quarterback desperately, yeah, probably. I I, I think I would, but I got to be contender. Brandon, uh, quite a storyline there though, and I don't That's know if awesome. you saw the, I don't know if you saw the video that went viral of some of the fans that are excited to have him on the team that are shaving their eyebrows and shaving their head in unison with oh, his no. alopecia. That is incredible. That is one hell of a way to support your team. So that's I mean, a lot that was of really cool. That was really cool. Hopefully they keep going. Hopefully JJ come back, comes back soon. Uh, again, we don't have Colin for this episode or our other host, uh, but Addison, somebody else we want to continue to talk about. I am withholding that conversation until Colin is here because he and I, have one hell of a debate coming up, I'm sure. So I'm not going to go down that road. Next game, Green Bay Packers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are three-point favorites, a low-scoring 37.5-point game. Uh, Brennan, let's just run through a couple other things here first, once again, and then I'll get to the player I want to talk about. Uh, Pickett, not looking great. Quarterback 27. He's our true-ranked quarterback 21. Uh, He is yet to throw for 250 yards. He has two games of above 15 points. So that's not great. That's really not good. Six touchdowns, four interceptions. Just doesn't look great. He obviously was injured. You obviously got to give him a little bit of a break there, but it's not looking good. What I want to talk about is the Pittsburgh wide receiver room. However, before I go there, is there anybody from the Green Bay wide receiver room that you're interested in, Brennan? I personally like, Romeo Dobbs, I think he's got the nice, the right combination of talent and size. I just don't know with the way the offense has looked if you can legitimately expect anything from him. I might take a flyer on him, but I've never been a Christian Watson guy. I heard the reports of him hitting the jugs machine. I got to tell you something, Jake. Kid needs to hit the jugs machine a lot more than he allegedly did. Yeah, and and because we're a super flex show. Jordan Love once again disappoints, right? So his last, let's see, last four games, 7.9 points, 16.3 points, 15.5 points, and then last week was 13.8. He's inching up to unstartable if you have other options. So that's really not good to see. And like we said last week, the GM from Green Bay is already kind of opening up that his future with the team is on the line with how he performs going through the rest of the season. So you want to see him, you want to see him capitalize. You're rooting for the guy, but uh, so far, no good. Back to the Pittsburgh wide receiver core. You know me, I am a diehard George Pickens fan. I love him. And, and Podians, I'll let you know this. I traded away Devonta Smith and, two future seconds to get George Pickens. That's how much I love this guy. And do I regret it right now? Maybe a little, uh, but I'm not, I'm no, no, I'm standing by my decision here. No regrets. I love the guy. I love the fire. I love it. But last two games certainly have been disappointing. Brendan, the last two games have been under 10 points before that he had two back-to-back hundred yard receiving games but now Deontay Johnson is back Deontay Johnson has been getting all the attention and we saw that horrible failed touchdown of not getting both feet in when he had plenty of room there for George Pickens in the end zone he had what seemed like four or five yards of space he got one foot down and then just took this big giant step and stepped out of bounds And then at the end of the game, he seemed to be throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum. He was not happy when they had the game-winning touchdown to Deontay Johnson. He instead was kind of hanging his head and looked dejected. So 
Um, rumors that he went and removed all Pittsburgh Steelers stuff from his Instagram. However, Mike Tomlin came out. He was asked by the by the press if Pickens has expressed his frustration to him, and his response was, "Quote, heck yeah, man! He expresses frustration all the time. He wants to be significant. He wants to be a reason why we're successful. Y'all don't begrudge that. I don't say y'all. That's that's his." I want guys who want the football. I want guys who want to be central reasons why we're successful. And that's a non-issue, to be quite honest with you, bro. What he's kind of coming out and saying is, I like the dog in this guy, and I love it. I, I want to – I'm almost predicting a big-time game from Pickens coming in this next week. I think they're going to feed him. Well, I I think that – I love the attitude that Pickens has. He's a little bit offbeat. He does have that dog in him. That is his thing. The attitude, the grit, the resilience. He wants it, the fight. If you're predicting a big game for Pickens, Jake, are you thinking that Pickett – is going to be able to support two wide receivers because so far this year, he's only been able to support one with his play. So I'm not worried about Pickens because of anything he's done. I am very worried about Pickens because Pickett has taken a massive step backwards. And I think at some point, if they don't fire Matt Cannon, which I can't see how they don't do, we got to be on Kenny Pickett watch if he's going to keep this job. Yeah, no, uh, no, I don't think he can support two wide receivers. I think it's going to be one or the other, and I think this is going to be the Pickens one. He's fired up, he's angry, and it sounds like Tomlin is supporting him entirely with that emotion. So they're going to want to get his emotion up because he is an emotional guy. He runs off of emotion. That's the style of play that he has. So that is the storyline to me in this game. I want to watch George Pickens. What happens there? Does he bounce back to one of those you know, 100-plus yard games? Does he have one of these immaculate catches along the sideline? Does he learn how to put two feet in as opposed to just one in, in the NFL versus college here to get the damn touchdown? But that's the storyline I'm watching here, Brendan. Let's move on. Tennessee Titans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one, 38-point total. The Buccaneers are currently a one-point favorite. Doesn't look very exciting to me. What I mean, we officially have Will Levis announced as the starting quarterback there and he certainly came crashing back down to earth after the Thursday night game are you excited about him if you still have him or are you more concerned of that was a one-off thing well yeah I'm excited Jake he just got announced today Billy Jeans is gonna be your starting <laughs> quarterback pending injury <laughs> Billy Jeans he is Billy Jeans I wrote in the show notes if you'd be Billy Jeans or Billy Bench because the notes came out before the announcement, people. Give us a break. Yeah, I'm excited. He's got enough raw talent in that arm that gets Wait me a second. Think wait, wait, wait. Where does Billy Jeans come from? You know what? On your Will... phone when you type Will Levis and it becomes Will Levi's from autocorrect. <laughs> so he's been nicknamed. Yep. yep. Billy Jeans because of the okay. autocorrect. And it's true. Every time you know I what? type I'm a hundred percent behind that. Levis. I'm way behind that. All right. I gotta tell you. Anyways, the sorry, arm, that is beautiful. The arm is enough for me. They'll figure it out. Tennessee is well coached. They'll figure something out with him. So I am excited. And I look at this point total, Jake, and obviously this total came up before they knew Billy Jeans was playing. Because I actually think that this is there's a lot of people to look for. Will Levis. Got Hopkins appears to be his favorite target, which is great because Hopkins still a savvy veteran. He's going to 
He's got like pass interference on literally every deep ball. He's going to commit pass interference. It's just, are they going to call it on him? Tajay Spears is 59% snap share last week. He's looking yeah. good. There's a lot of guys to like on that offense that are either young or a vet that everybody forgot about. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you called out Tajay Spears because he's one of the two guys I do want to talk about. He's one of the two storylines to me from a dynasty perspective. He is seeing a more than 50% snap share in a lot of his games so far. And while he's not really productive on the targets that he gets, his yard per targets are low, his yards per carry are very high. He looks electric quite often when he has the ball. So there was a lot of rumors that that they were going to trade away Derek Henry. They didn't. However, they're still using him. It's 59% um, snap share this week. Last week was low. Or sorry, this past week was 59%. Last week, before that was low. And then prior to that, it was all 50 plus snap share. So he looks good. They clearly like him right off the bat. We all know that he has that knee situation where he doesn't even have cartilage in his, or he doesn't even have an ACL, right? Is that right? Is that what it is? It's something well, allegedly, crazy like he allegedly, I'm not a doctor, but allegedly he does not have an ACL in one <laughs> of his knees is his right knee. I think that scared us all away going into the draft when we heard that because that, that kind of got announced right around rookie draft time for us. But uh, they certainly seem to think, hey, we like this guy. We're going to give it to him. He looks electric when he has the ball. So I think that's only going to ramp up and going to next season when I do expect Derrick Henry to be somewhere else. That's going to be fun to watch because I think the team likes him. The organization likes him. So exciting to watch there. Brennan, the other guy I want to talk about from a dynasty perspective is feeding into the tight end. We might need to call this the tight end episode. My boy, K. Dotton. Brandon, what did I tell you? I got two guys that I like. Two guys that I've been calling out lately. Trey McBride and K. Dotton. Brandon, can you just tell me what uh, K. Dotton scored this week? Audience, I'd just like to know before I reveal the score that Jake has really liked K. Dotton. He's liked K. Dotton so much that he had to cut him during the off season. That's your fault. That's Don't you dare do him. that. I'll he's, never forgive you for that. He's tight end three on the week. 23 points, Jake. 23 points. That's right. He, and you made me do that, by the way. You have this horrible, like, you know, I'm not even getting into this. You have a terrible bench program going on for our league here. However, he is excelling, Brennan. We're seeing something here. He has a 90, he has 90% of the Buccaneers routes run in the past four weeks he has a top five schedule for the rest of the season against tight end or four tight ends he's tight end 19 like you said on the season he was a fourth round pick last year are we seeing something emerging here what do you think are, are we seeing something real i like yeah in addition to the routes run he's getting the targets his third straight game with six plus targets i do think kate and is somebody that should be rostered. Probably should have been rostered a while ago, if you really believed. But who knows? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do think he's somebody that you really need to hold on to. Twenty-four years old, six-five, two forty-seven, and plays like it. So, lot to like about Cade. All right, let's move on. Next game, we have the Atlanta Falcons at the Arizona Cardinals. Atlanta Falcons two-point favorites. Forty-two points is the prediction there. Despite QB1, Brennan, as you like to say, Kyler Murray returning for the Cardinals. This is a big moment. We didn't know if he would come back at all this year. He's certainly going to be playing for his future in the NFL. 
for the rest of the season. He's got my boy Trey McBride, who did not perform well this past week. You guys know, if you listen to the last episode, how I feel about him. However, he played a very, very tough defense. In fact, Cleveland Browns are the number one defense against tight ends. So a disappointing week. But if you were paying attention to the stats, you would know it was a tough hill to climb for him that past week. But Brendan, what are you expecting out of Kyler Murray's return? QB1, you mean? QB1 walking back in the door. Uh, not too much. Atlanta's defense <laughs> is very confusing to me. A lot of talent in there. They went out inside Jesse Bates, the secondary. They made a trade with the Lions for uh, who's I can't even remember the cornerback that they wanted to ship out so badly. There's a lot of talent on the Atlanta Falcons defense, but they just don't seem to be able to put it together. Hence the loss last week to our boy Josh Dobbs. I'm not expecting much. First game back after the ACL tear is not going to be a 20-point game. But later on in the season, and I mean beyond the fantasy season, like the last couple weeks of the year, that's when I think that we're going to see Kyler Murray back. Jake, let me tell you the only thing that concerns me, though. Friday is November 10th. And do you know what comes out on November 10th? Oh, boy, Modern Warfare. Oh, no. That's right. The new Call of Duty comes out. So I am worried. That just when Kyler's coming back. Oh, you're right. The new Call of Duty's out. You're right. No more game film for him. Oh, no. Can he stay yeah, away from the sticks? I don't think so. I'm just kidding. But He's no, I'm not kidding about it coming out. We'll see. But he is literally playing for his job. The talent is there. Please, Kyler, put it together. He only needs three games at the end of the year to look good. And I think he's got that job for at least the next two. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. It's very fortunate to bring him back as soon as they are. I thought they might take even the whole year off. The only other um, situation I kind of want to talk about from a storyline standpoint is, are they going to start using Kyle Pitts or what? What the hell is going on here? We have a comparison of Kyle Pitts to Jonu Smith in the last five games. Kyle Pitts has had 10.76 points per game. Jonu has has had 10.66 points per game. Pitts has had... 55.4% 55.4% snap share in the last five games. John, who is 60% in the last five games, 6.4 targets to Pitts, 4.4 targets to John, who one touchdown to Pitts, two touchdowns to John. Who. It is a very frustrating tight end by committee approach that we have going on here. And it seems like Arthur Smith, the son of the billionaire, the silver spoon himself, is really valuing that blocking ability of Jonu Smith right now. And that's really where we're seeing a lot of this punishment that's going on to my main man, Kyle Pitts. But Brennan, are you seeing anything else that I'm missing? Not really. We've seen Jonu Smith live and in person here in New England. He's Jonu. So, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. Barely live. Yeah. Barely live. I, I wanted to give... Kyle Pitts, the benefit, the benefit of the doubt before he was coming off the injury. He seemed to be getting better, but now I just have no idea what to think, Jake. He is basically a high-priced, huge draft capital tight end, two on his own team. The way they're using Johnny Smith is suggests to you that either they don't think Kyle Pitts has put it all together, or Johnny Smith right now is a more reliable option than Kyle Pitts. And that is a really, really sad state of affairs. 
Yeah, I, I think it's the blocking. Did you know that about Arthur Smith, by the way? I didn't know that until this week. I heard it on the yeah, Pac- his dad Pac- founded Pac- FedEx. Yep. FedEx. He's a billionaire. That's unbelievable. FedEx. I had no idea, but whatever. I hate his guts, and I might hate his dad, too, as a result. Uh, okay, next game, we have the Detroit Lions at the Los Angeles Chargers. Detroit Lions are one-and-a-half-point favorites. It is a 48-and-a-half-point total here. It's a projection. We just saw the Chargers kind of stink against the Jets, even though they really handled the Jets from a score standpoint. Herbert didn't look good. I don't think he looked good at all. And uh, the Lions bounce back, but but should be a good game. Brennan, what are you really looking at here from a dynasty storyline standpoint? The top, the headline on this game is what are we going to get from Jameer Gibbs? Had the breakout game, but now Monty is bad, back in practice. Can the Lions figure out how to use Gibbs and keep Monty involved? They are going to have Monty involved. That is the million-dollar question. They didn't do it before Monty went out. I really hope they're going to do it now, though. Who do you think gets more touches between Monty and Gibbs? Maybe not this week, but going forward on the season. This week will be a little weird because Monty's it's his first game back from injury. I think the rest of the season, assuming Monty stays healthy, I do think they are going to feed it more to Monty. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. And uh, Campbell even kind of came out and said, you know, we know what Monty can do. We've seen Gibbs grow over the last few weeks quite a bit, and he will get his opportunity, but this is going to be a committee. So uh, I think it's going to continue to be frustrating. Gibbs probably will have a little more opportunity, that, or at least touches, maybe not carries, but touches um, than before the Monty injury. But uh, it is going to come crashing back down, I think. I think that's since Monty left, Gibbs has been averaging 78.5% snap share. Before that, it was 43%. So maybe it's a little more along a 50-50, but it's certainly going to come back down if if you ask me. Brandon, the only other player I want to talk about in this game, because we're going to keep him moving, is Quinton Johnson. I, I think I'm out on him. The guy stinks. I know it's early. I know it's not even one year in the in the league. I saw him make a catch, or actually a catch attempt, where he got thrown about four yards backwards. After being hit midair, as if Gardner, yeah, I saw that play last night. As if it was like a frisbee, something light that was supposed to float through the air. I don't know how that happens, but somebody his size just kind of floated through the air, yards and yards backwards. So, just I don't know how many times we've got to sit here on the mic here and talk about how this guy is big, but he plays small. But it is very frustrating to watch. And if you have him on your team, uh oh. You definitely drafted him in the first round. I think he almost universally went in the first round rookie drafts across all formats because of the capital and the the yards after catch ability. Is that going to translate to the NFL? He's going to a good offense in the Chargers. There's a lot to like about him in the draft. Here's the thing. Sometimes you can look at a player and say it was the situation. It was the roster. It's the depth. It's the play calling. I feel like with Quentin Johnston, we've seen enough where we can say, no, it is the player here. Because last night, there was no Joshua Palmer, who's now on IR. He was out there for 83% of the snaps. And it just didn't feel or look like Quentin Johnston was going to be of any value to Justin Herbert. 
He got bowled over by Sauce Gardner. He looked like a lot of the routes he was running, he was just getting outmanned. We talk about him not using his size enough, but this was his opportunity to at least show something, show growth, show strength, show resilience, earn the trust. Something. And he got, gave us absolutely nothing. I'm so out. On, I'm more out on Quentin I'm Johnston done. than before because I really thought he was going to do something with no Joshua Palmer. And with that opportunity, he just did nothing. I'm done. Maybe maybe he does something great going forward that makes me come back with my tail between my legs. But until then, I'm done. Brandon, let's move on. We have the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Kind of seems like a stinker now that Daniel Jones is gone. We have Danny DeVito, it seems, uh, being the quarterback there. What's his actual first name? Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Tommy, Tommy DeVito. Sorry. Yeah. But Dallas Cowboys are 16 point favorites with a 39 point total. So it is a blowout and a low scoring game. I guess the only thing I want to talk about two quick things Dak Prescott, is he bouncing back? We've had three straight games of 20 plus points. And Brendan, the other person I want you to talk about is Tony Pollard. Where are we? On these two guys. All right, let me start with Dak Prescott. The answer, Jake, is yeah, I really like Dak Prescott. Okay, right now he's QB eleven on the season. But if you listen to the media and all of the wonderful people on Twitter slash X, you would think that Dak Prescott was QB thirty two on the season. I don't feel like he's getting nearly enough love. The three, the last three games against the Chargers, the Rams and the Eagles, he's got over his worst game against the Chargers was just about 25 points. Here's what I love. He's using the legs really well. He had seven attempts, four attempts, and then six attempts last week. So he's got the arm. He's The offense appears to be clicking, and he's using his legs. So I think that Dak is getting far too much hate, and he's a very effective quarterback. Now, let me switch gears a bit to Tony Pollard. Another disappointing game from Tony Pollard. He's out there for 77% of the snaps and couldn't even get us double digits. 9.3 points, Jake. 12 attempts, 51 yards, just over four yards per carry. And this year, it feels like just over four yards per carry should be celebrated by Tony Pollard. Again, very sad. Here's the other thing that really, really sucks. Five targets and still. Between the 12 rushes and the five targets, he got 9.3 points last week. I am officially out on Tony Pollard. I think with the trade deadline coming up, he's not somebody you should be looking at. If you're in win now, there are other options out there that are likely more reliable and probably cost you a little bit less given they're not named Tony Pollard. But I am just really done with Tony Pollard. All the opportunity in the world on a high-scoring offense, and he can't really do anything with it. I'm with you, Brendan. I'm out. I'm out. That's no surprise. Let's move on. I mean, anybody else in this game? CeeDee Lamb, you're really excited about. Oh, Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant. Just got signed back. I mean, 31 years years old? Did I read that? How many years has he been out of the league for? Martavis Bryant, I, formerly I, of the Steelers, I think he went. Did he go to the the Raiders maybe afterwards? But I mean, the the ghost of Martavis Bryant just got signed somehow. I don't know how I, how this even came about. He's thirty one years old. 
He was just signed to the practice squad, which makes no sense. It looks like he's been out of the league since 2019. You're right. I didn't even know he was on the Raiders after Pittsburgh. I, this doesn't make any sense to me, Jake. Why do this? I mean, it's, I just want to bring that up. We don't have to spend any more time on it, but that is hilarious. The ghost of Martavis Bryant is back. Uh, Brennan, let's move on. We have the commanders visiting the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks are six point favorites, 45 and a half point game here, where that sounds like there's going to be some fantasy production to me. When I see that we have the howler himself, Sam Howell. The Korean gunslinger. I did, did trade him away. Story. You did not bite. Shame on you because he is certainly producing, Brennan. He is QB6 on the season. He made some very good throws this past week. I'm not going to lie. When that trade got accepted, I traded him away for a first and a future second, which is a good value, but I totally forgot that I had that trade hanging out there. And to me, quite frankly, he was doing great for my team. I almost wish I pulled that back and asked for more or traded a little bit later on. But Regardless, is that somebody you're going to get right now, Brendan? Are you still skeptical? No, I, I think he's somebody that you should be targeting. The acquisition cost was probably nothing for the team that has, if they haven't traded him, the team that currently has Sam Howell probably got him off waivers. We didn't know what to expect. The guy is QB6 on the year. Last week, 18.7 points. He's just on this roll again. I'm still worried about the sacks. I'm still worried generally about his job security with Ron Rivera likely not to be there with that entire front office likely to be replaced. Is the new regime going to hitch their wagon to Sam Howell? I don't know. Could he be traded for if you're in win now? Probably. I think you got to at least figure out what you're going to get. Would I trade a 2024 first and 2025 second, which is what you got? I would not with the questions. You made There's that very clear for me. You made that very clear by halting my advancements towards you. You actually declined a first and a third as well, but okay, whatever. Uh, I will say this. If he keeps playing like how he played this past week and maybe even the week before that, it'd be tough for the team to say, we need a new quarterback. He made some very impressive throws into some very tight windows. So uh, I can't remember what that aggressiveness stat was that you brought up with Bryce Young, but it seems like he's playing pretty aggressive in, it's working out. He is the Korean gunslinger. He is the howler. So this is becoming a show favorite. We're talking a lot about him. We talk about him. It seems like every single week that might mean something. So we are super flex show. Keep your eye on him. Same thing goes for Geno Smith, except for it's a little bit of a different narrative. Geno Smith, 13 points, 14 points, 15 points, three points the last four weeks, Brennan. Yeah, this is a situation, Jake, where uh -oh. the Seattle team has been winning and Gino is just not doing what you thought he was going to do. He is like low end super flex. Maybe he's averaging 13.2 points per game. He's QB 24 in the season. He's our true rank QB 22. It's been disappointing last week, especially disappointing for old Gino Smith with 3.68 points. Obviously that's impacting the average a bit, but really disappointing. I don't even know what you're going to do. If you have him, you have to play him. If you don't have him, is he even somebody you would target for the rest of the year? Mm, I don't know. There were question marks as to whether or not last year 
was really the shocking surprise outlier year where he was QB five on the season. So I'm not targeting Geno Smith. You might be able to get him for super cheap though, given how he's played this year so far. Yeah. I don't know if you want to, he might be a roster clogger. He may be a grenade that sits on your starting lineup and just does something like a three point. I don't think he's going to do three point games, but you know, like those 13, 12, 14 point games are starting to become a little more consistent than you'd like to see. So uh, certainly concerning. The only other player that I want to discuss here, Brendan, is Jahan Dotson. It's about time. We've seen back-to-back good performance from Jahan Dotson. He was a big-time hype player going into the season. It is his second year. He obviously had a good season last year. He had a lot of missed games, but when he did play last year, he produced. We started getting really worried about him this year. It, I believe he was actually my faller. If that's not, I believe he was on our fallers episode. He's starting. He must have heard the show. He must have listened in on Spotify or on Apple Podcast or on YouTube to the Fantasy Menace. But one way or the other, he wanted to make sure that I knew I was wrong because he has produced the last two weeks. Brennan, are we seeing... Is this a little more what we can expect from him, or is this kind of a boom that goes along with a lot of the bust that we've been seeing all season? No, I do think it's turned. He hit rock bottom in week six against Atlanta with zero points. He had one target, and the one target he had, if you recall, was an absolutely brutal drop right in the breadbasket, and he just dropped the ball. Since week six, he has had eight targets 10 targets and eight targets so he is averaging over eight targets his past three games first game against the giants only 9.3 points but double twice now past two weeks 24 almost 25 points and almost 17 points so i think it's turned a corner what i like to see more than anything is the consistent targets seems to have it going with Howell after the absolutely dreadful week six game so you really like to see that as Howell goes, it feels like Jahan Dotson goes too. So maybe a little something connected with the two of them, huh? Yeah, there may be a chemistry there, and that is exciting to see. So that's that's very exciting. Brendan, let's move on over to our second and last game we're going to cover. It is the New York Jets at the Las Vegas Raiders. These two teams seem to stink. However, the Raiders have a new energy going on. We just watched the Jets get absolutely embarrassed once again. The Jets are actually... One and a half point favorites in this game, even though they are the visiting team. We are looking at a 36 point total. So we're talking about a low scoring game here. I'm completely out on Zach Wilson. I think he is absolutely horrible. However, on the other side of this, Aiden O'Connell. Brendan, what did you see that you liked about him? Because from a fantasy standpoint, certainly not great last week. Uh, you know, I think it was eight point eight point something points. So not not fantastic. That is for sure. But He's getting the opportunity. He was playing against the Giants. 8.36 points, by the way. Uh, 16 for 25, 209 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, no rushing attempts. Certainly played it safe with the Purdue prospect there. Brendan, have you seen anything you like about him? You think he actually has a chance long-term or no? All the hype in camp said that Aiden O'Connell's got an arm. We want to see it. And then he got his shot in week four. And the thing that really killed him were the turnovers. Week four, he had two fumbles and one interception against the Chargers. What I liked last week, Jake, was that there were no turnovers. He didn't get you much from a fantasy standpoint, but when he had his opportunity to play, he turned the ball over too much, and allegedly that's why Josh Daniels went with Brian Hoyer and also got himself fired. 
I don't know what to make of this game. I don't know what to make of Aiden O'Connell yet, but I will tell you if he's not turning the ball over, the kid's got all the skill in the world. 6-3-2-10, and again, that hype out of camp said he's got a great arm, and we really think that Aiden O'Connell can be something in this league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be interesting to watch. Certainly one of the storylines I want to pay attention to in this game. Uh, On the other side of this, Zach Wilson, as I said, stinks. That O-line is horrible. My question is, how good would this team be with Aaron Rodgers healthy? Because obviously Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in our in our lifetime. I'm 36 years old, certainly certainly falls into that category. But that O-line is so bad. I don't care what weapons you have. Do you think this would be an enormously better team and an enormously better performance from an offensive standpoint? Or would we be watching Rodgers getting frustrated game in and game out with how bad this offense is? The O-line is bad, but I think what Rodgers has that Zach Wilson definitely doesn't have is the ability skill. to make a quick decision, <laughs> but the ability to deal with a bad offensive line, which is quick decisions, audibles. He's going to build better chemistry, more on target passes. He just knows how to quarterback around the problems. We had that for a long time here in Foxborough, you know, right now. And that's what Aaron Rodgers is really going to bring the Jets. I think he's worth probably one more win than the Jets have now. I don't know that it's Barnes going to come in and just they're going to run the table, but I think what Aaron Rodgers brings is just bo- better quarterbacking ability, and he's going to raise the floor of everybody around him. Take Garrett Wilson, for example. With Zach Wilson, we've been pleasantly surprised at him being a wide receiver too. He's only, Garrett Wilson only has two games below 10 points, but he doesn't have any games at 20 points and what Aaron Rodgers would do for sure with Garrett Wilson is make him a very clear wide receiver one that we all know Garrett Wilson is so with Zach Wilson that entire offense has a really low ceiling on them and it's just it is what it is you got to take what you can get again with Garrett Wilson being a wide receiver two and Zach Wilson being there you're happy with Aaron there there's no doubt in my mind Garrett Wilson's a wide receiver one yeah, I, I I have to agree with you. And we are all in on Garrett Wilson. In fact, I still have him as a dynasty top five wide receiver. So the fact that he has performed the way that he has as still he's wide receiver 22, that is very impressive to me. And it does make your heart sick that Rodgers hasn't been there. I also have Brees Hall ranked very high, Brandon. We spoke about it, me, you, and Colin. I actually have Brees Hall as my running back one. He's 22 years old. I have him over Bijan until the Silver Spoon leaves the Falcons. I'm keeping him there because even though it, if you watch the game last night, Brandon, it seemed like every single time he touched the ball, he had an electric spin move. He had something that was like a 10, an 11, a 15, a 16, even a six-yard gain when he needed to, but it was always brought back by some stupid block in the back or some holding call that had no impact on him breaking free. It just was mistake after mistake after mistake. And that blows my mind. It makes me incredibly frustrated because Brees Hall seems to me to be one of the best running backs in the league right now, currently, today, and still is only 22 years old. That's exactly what I want in my dynasty running backs because it's such a short window. He's so young. He was so impressive last year before that injury. He seems to be there again just needs somebody other than 
Zach Wilson at quarterback, Brendan. You don't have him at running back one, but where do you have him? I don't. I don't. He's my he's my RB two, and he's true rank RB two uh, as well. I I am very conflicted here. I still have Bijan as number one, as I suspect many people do, and I think we all have Bijan as number one for the same reason. Bijan's ability to split out wide and run wide receiver routes. I think is what really separates him from Brees Hall. Brees Hall is explosive. Looked really good last night, despite only getting 10 points and that will change. They're not going to just rack up penalties and and do that all season, but I just can't bring myself to put Brees Hall above Bijan yet. I need to see a little bit more from this offense. I need to really understand that Bijan is not going to be a centerpiece while Arthur Smith is there. And I just think it's too early for that, Jake. Okay, I, this is going to be a continuous conversation, I believe, because Algier, I don't think, is going anywhere anytime soon. I do think Bijan will get much more opportunity as time goes on, but I don't know. We'll see. Brandon, we have one more game left. We have the Denver Broncos visiting the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are seven and a half point favorites. It is a 47-point game, so we are looking at a high-scoring game, at least compared to some of the other games this week. First and foremost, James Cook. Until further notice, I think you have to treat him as a running back three at best. He is consistently scoring around five to nine points per game, and that is extremely disappointing to me. I think you see it when you watch these games. He has all the opportunity. He is open. Every time he touches the ball, he's electric. He he finds a way to, to gain at least a respectable yards per carry, if not an extremely impressive. And then Josh Allen just refuses to throw him the ball. No matter how open he is, Josh Allen always is going for gold. He's always going for that 20-yard-plus pass, it seems, which if you're the James Cook fan here, then you're just furious every single time you see one of those out routes or one of those flat routes that he's just not even getting the look. It's not. It's never going to happen, it feels like right now. And now they brought in Leonard Fournette. We didn't see him at all this past week. It's... It, but you, you, they brought him in for a reason. They're going to use him. He's going to continue to steal. He's probably going to take the Latavius Murray touches, is my guess. But he is going to take – James Cook's never going to be the red zone guy, it feels, at least not in this system. So it stinks because I think the talent's there. I think he's done nothing but prove with almost every single touch that he has that he can do it. But they just – they don't care. That's not what they're doing. Maybe we'll see it in the winter when they want to start running a little more. But it bums me out. Brandon, am I any anything with James Cook there, or did I cover that pretty well? Did my no, I yeah, it really is a such a bummer. He's explosive, but until further notice, he probably is going to find his way to your bench if you have even RB two options. Yeah, so so and I guess with what I would say, the storylines here on this game are. Let's keep an eye on James Cook. Maybe maybe all of a sudden they start utilizing him, but I don't see why they would all of a sudden start doing that now. But I'm keeping my eye on him because I'm a fan. Dalton Kincaid and Javante Williams are the other two guys, both on different teams, obviously. Here we have Dalton Kincaid, the tight end for the Buffalo Bills, and then we have Javante Williams, the running back on the Denver Broncos. Both of these guys I'm going to be keeping my eye on and and really hoping for another impressive game because both of them, at different rates or, or different paces have started to really start to press. Dalton Kincaid really stepped in as soon as Dawson Knox got hurt and he is boomed. He's been the tight end eight the last two weeks, right? But he's somebody that you can plug and play 
every single week you lock him into your starting lineup as your tight end. Brennan, is he jumping Laporta yet for you as far as rookie tight ends? He's not jumping Laporta yet. He's making a really strong case for himself, but he's not over Laporta yet. I do like what I'm seeing the past three weeks. Again, it's the opportunities for me. It's what is Josh Allen looking his way? The answers are resounding. Yes. Past three weeks, the lowest number of targets you receive is seven. He's been tight end seven. And then the past two weeks, he's been tight end eight. A lot to like with Dalton Kikade, but he's got to show me just a little bit more. And yes, his all of his opportunities are coming without Dawson Knox. So you like to see that. You like the opportunity, but I just want a bit more before I'm willing to put him above Sam Laporta. Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, Sam Laporta in the last two weeks have a, has a combined 29.9 points. So yeah, you really can't. He's He's impressing even more than Dalton Kincaid is. So tough to do that. But somebody keep your eye on. Javante Williams, the last player we're going to talk about today. We're seeing that steady ramp up all of a sudden. That recovery from that knee injury seems to be almost full at this point. The last three weeks, we saw 35 snap share, then 53, then 63. And the last two weeks in particular, 12.4 points. And the last week was 18.8 against Kansas City, who's no joke from a rush defense standpoint. So, we, we Brennan, are we seeing the return of Javante Williams? Is his value back? What do you think? I don't know if it's all the way back, but I do like to see that the increase in snap share, the increase in touches. It's really nice because I was worried for a second there that Jaleel McLaughlin, all of the things that Sean Payton was saying might actually be true about how much he liked him. But it appears that eh, probably not. They're on by last week. Buffalo is not a bad team to go up against as a running back. So I'm thinking that Javante's probably going to have a, a nice game. If he's got another nice game, if he's going to be in the 20s, if he gets you something like that, then I don't know. Do you shop him or do you hold him? You probably hold him because of the capital you invested to acquire Javante. But I think it's a very interesting thought. Yeah, it's tough for me because I loved him coming in. I'm I'm very much rooting for him to return back to form. I think he's starting to, without a doubt. So, I mean, Jaleel McLaughlin had 11% snap share last week and it was 17% before that. So not worried about him. We're seeing Sean Payton really start to lean on Javante Williams. And as long as his body holds up, then I think you're very happy that you keep him. That's a risk you to take. I don't think you sell him now. I, I, I like him. He's 23 years old. He doesn't have a lo- whole lot of tread on the tires because he played in North Carolina with uh, with Michael Carter. So it was kind of a split job there too. I like this guy and I, it's somebody I'm going out to get right now. And that window might be closing. If he continues to progress the way that he is, you're going to miss your opportunity. All of a sudden you have to pay an awful lot to go get this guy, or you just won't get him period. It's not going to happen. Brendan, anybody else from this game or anything else we need to cover? Are we going to talk about uh, Russ Wilson? Broncos no. country, Monday night football, prime time. No. Are we? I mean, do you want to really? No. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. But no, thanks. It is a super flex show. But Russell Wilson is exactly who we thought he was. We're done talking about him for now. Brendan. Next week, we're switching up. We're getting Colin back on. Very excited to have him back on the show. We're switching it from the preview. We're not going to have a preview show next week because we have the trade deadline coming up. I already alluded to it a little bit earlier in the episode, but we have a trade targets episode coming up. And Podians, Podawans, come 
listen, because we're going to tell you who to go get like a Javante Williams before the stock really starts rising. Get ahead of the game before that trade deadline hits. We have some great, great opportunities for you to go get. And and if you're listening, you're going to get the edge. Brendan, how excited are you for our little trade targets episode here, huh? Well, I think that this year might be pretty active. It's already been active in the league of record, but I think it might be pretty active because we have a couple divisions that are wide open. I suspect because offense is down across the NFL that a lot of fantasy teams are still in the mix and they maybe in other years shouldn't be. So I am very much looking forward to it, Jake. I agree. And my sense is that I'm in eight leagues right now. It's kind of the same across the board. So my sense is that the Padawans out there right now are in the same boat. So come listen like subscribe brendan i'll see you next week happy to have Colin back next week and we out